and welcome to another episode of Open Us, the podcast about openness to new experiences. I'm Professor T, and with me, as always, this evening is my co-host, Dr. Toomey. How are you doing this evening, Toomey? I am good this evening, Professor T. How are you? I'm also good, thanks very much. Uh, had a nice long weekend there, the Bank Holiday Monday involved in the mix, so uh, I feel quite rested, actually. Didn't, didn't drink, didn't do anything too uh, mentally or physically taxing, so uh, I'm feeling pretty good for a Tuesday evening. No, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and a long weekend makes it a short week the following week as well. So there's you have more energy in work, I presume. As well. Yes, that's true that it does make it a shorter week. Although I used to work with a man who had a theory that he felt that it actually made the week feel longer. Would you like to hear that? Well, this mysterious man's theory. Why not? So this man I used to work with, uh, he used to profess that a four-day week after a bank holiday actually felt like a longer week because. By Wednesday afternoon, lunchtime, let's say, on a regular week, you're normally halfway through the week. And by Wednesday afternoon, on a four-day week, you're only less than half of the way through the week. (laughs) Right. This was his theory. (laughs) So, therefore, it feels longer. Well, by tomorrow afternoon, let's say, at lunchtime, on a traditional week, we would have been like, ah, halfway through the week. But it won't be halfway through the week tomorrow. It will be less than halfway through the week. Yes, I suppose so. And I suppose he, he's taking that as a, as a negative. He's saying, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, it's not half, half the way through the working week. Exactly, yeah. He, Putting a negative spin on it. <laughs> Even though the number of days remaining in the week is the same. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to hear that, that man's uh, theory. Uh, what happened to that man? Uh, he recently retired, actually. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a fitting end to his, his theory. <laughs> He obviously didn't make a breakthrough with that during his career. No, no, he didn't make any sort of scientific breakthrough or anything. But um, I, I, it's not something I share, okay. but I always found it interesting. Uh, he would tell people, anyone with ears, he would tell. He's been immortalized now, anyway, on Open Us. So I'd say that's his, probably his greatest achievement. Yeah, well, that's that's great for him. All right. Uh, any other interesting uh, stuff from your end? More car troubles. As per last week. And as per last week, I won't bore you or the listener with them. Um, separate car troubles troubles than the ones that were going on last week. Um, Good God. Yeah, uh, with actually a different car. Um, but I'm not going to go into it further as last week. And I'll, I'll have an update next week if the car troubles are over without actually disclosing what's what the, actually, the troubles are. Okay, but how about this for a deal? If you have car troubles... Car Troubles, a third podcast episode in a row. We will allow you to bore us with details. <laughs> that sounds fair. That's it. So I'll go into go a mo- slash your own tires or anything. Like that. <laughs> well, I'll go into a monologue for about ten minutes about the car troubles hmm. if if they're I not resolved by next week. That could be a standalone episode. Car troubles. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the podcast subscribers will be uh, quickly dwindling after a few minutes of that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway. So, Open Us, the podcast about doing new experiences. What did we do last weekend, Professor T? Well, last weekend, Dr. Toomey, we went to a place in Dublin city centre in Temple Bar, just on the quays there, and we went and did a VR experience. Do you know the one thing that's been annoying me, bugging me, I'll say, about this whole thing is I don't know how to phrase what we did. So when I'm trying to explain it to people, like people in work, for example... I find myself saying something as inarticulate as we did a VR experience <laughs> or 
<laughs> we went to a VR place. How the fuck do you phrase this? I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it. Yeah, there is. There's no kind of like phrase or something in the English in the English language that that describes it well, other than a, a VR experience, which is so vague that it could be at home. But what's what's the verb? We we what a VR experience? <laughs> Yeah, because I suppose you can't say we experienced a VR experience because you know, oh. the redundancy of the word experience there. And if you say did, you sound like a four-year-old because, <laughs> th- you know, that's what a four-year-old would say. Uh, Maybe something along the lines of uh, we went to or we attended or... We went to a VR experience. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that, um, that probably paints it as some sort of show, which it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but before we go into the VR experience, I just want to um, touch on, if I may... Uh, that we invited others to go to this. <clears throat> yes. So we put out a message in the WhatsApp group and I asked a couple of people independent of the WhatsApp group. And uh, I suppose, unsurprisingly, nobody was available. <laughs> yes, uh, nobody was available to do a VR experience. Uh, maybe because we didn't know how to phrase it correctly. <laughs> yeah, that was probably it. But also, we uh, I suppose we didn't give them too much notice. But at the same time, it uh, it speaks to the general unavailability of people in their sort of early 30s, where people would nearly need weeks to kind of build up to a VR experience, even though it was only an activity that was going to take up probably an hour and a half, followed by maybe a lunch afterwards. Yeah, um, you're right. And it, it is correct that people need a lot of notice nowadays, especially when you're in your 30s and you have uh, wives and kids and all all of the other things that you have um i if i look at my own calendar and my phone i have things mapped out for the next few weeks and if even if i'm going to something as small as a friend's as one of grace's friends boyfriends gigs i have that in the calendar because i don't want to double book myself for something and i also want to know long in advance what i'm actually doing as absurd as that sounds Mm. on friday in five weeks time (laughs) and that's quite a um forward-thinking and sophisticated way of planning like your diary is filling up you're kind of handling it like uh, almost like work appointments or work meetings yeah well that, that's where i learned it from yeah yeah hmm whereas i suppose the average person doesn't uh doesn't um take that that much effort into planning their social calendar well some people do but you probably plan it a bit more than the average person. Uh, person, person, person. I do. Would you say that now, Fergal? Actually, I plan more than the average person. I, I've no more Northern Ireland jokes now to make. Well, we're stuck in a Northern Irish accent now. So how are we going to get out of it? I don't know. Maybe we should just stop and don't acknowledge that we've done it. So, uh... Yeah, basically, I don't really put things in my diary either. And um, I think if this opportunity came up for me to join in on with a couple of days notice, I don't know if I would have been free either. Uh, Yes, I I know what you mean. And whether I was free or not, I don't know if I would have been free. (laughs) You may may have found an excuse or... Well, like, as much as... It's a contradiction in a, in what we're trying to do. I don't I don't like new things being being landed on me <laughs> and, and having to do things and any of that type of stuff. You know, foisted into a new activity. Yeah, or like 
there's a deadly episode of um or no it's not an episode but it's a, 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 a watching an interview with larry david one time and uh he was talking about how if he knows he has like a friend's wedding at the end of the month his whole calendar month is ruined by the <laughs> thoughts of having to attend this event so he can't enjoy the three weekends that lead up to that because he knows that they're just there in the way of this event that and not that he won't enjoy the event when he goes to it but it's looming over him the entire time leading up to it the weeks leading up the days leading up and he knows it's just there waiting to happen and and like if i had have been sent a text maybe on thursday saying do you want to go to do a vr experience on saturday um it probably would have spoiled my friday truth be told <laughs> It would have knocked you out of your routines, I presume, because that, that's what I'd be thinking. You you kind of have your your week of work where you're busy and stuff, and then you're you're kind of looking forward to having the freedom of the weekend. And then someone invites you to something, and then it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And it could be the best thing in the world, the most enjoyable thing in the world, but it just, there's just that part of you that just goes, oh, no. Yeah, and I think that definitely comes with age for me. Um, I find myself less inclined to be to be um, happy about receiving an invitation to something I wasn't expecting than I would have been maybe when I was 20 or something like that. Mm. And that makes sense because like, like in like the, with studies of openness, people become less open-minded as they get older. And it just gets that bit harder, I suppose, to adjust your, your perspective, your, your habits, what you think about stuff, the things you're willing to try. That all gets that's that gets harder when you're older, when you're you're set in your routines and and who you are. You have an idea of what you like and what you don't like, and anything that intrudes on that is is kind of not sometimes welcomed. Yes, except not for us because we went <laughs> and had a virtual reality yes. experience. <laughs> right, yes, a virtual reality experience, uh, VR link in Temple Bar in town. This is a virtual reality uh, arcade. Is actually what it is. Um, and it is uh, set up by a young man called uh, Philip O'Reilly, who met us there, uh, showed us around. It was very nice to us. Thank you very much, Philip. And his uh, marketing and PR assistant or CEO of marketing and PR, and PR Abdullah Ahmed. Hope I've pronounced that right. right. facts for you. There you, yeah. there you go. It's worth mentioning um, that the place itself, it's called the Clockwork Door, and it's just on the keys there in uh, Dublin city centre at the edge of Temple Bar. Um, were you going to mention the place itself? No, no. Why don't you no. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, because so it's not just a virtual reality um, arcade. You can also take part in escape rooms there. There's two different escape rooms. And there are. that was actually one of the things we thought about doing, but we'd already done it and we decided not to. But if you're into that and you've never done it, that's where you can go to do an escape room in Dublin. And also, on top of that, there's like a, an area where you can sit and play board games. They have over 100 different board games. And you just pay by the hour. And it's very cheap. I think something ridiculous like $0.08 cent a minute just to spend your time there um, as playing board games with your friends or whatever. Uh, they have unlimited tea and coffee and biscuits. And they also have another room which has all sorts of old games consoles like PlayStations, N64, Super Nintendos, and actually an emulator which has like all the different consoles on it. Um, and you can sit there and just play video games if you wish. And the whole complex, the whole building is called a clockwork door. And within the clockwork door, there is the VR Link Virtual Reality Arcade, but it has all of these other rooms and, and sections to it as well. So it's actually... Um, uh, a very entrepreneurial venture in the middle of town that if you didn't know it was there, you might never hear about it. But we happened to go looking for it online and you'd, you'd walk by it on the street and you'd miss it. Like, But it's uh, 
quite an interesting place. Yeah, it is an interesting place. It's a very unique type of place, like a, literally a, like a place where you go in and just play games and, and hang out. And there's no kind of coffee shop or pub aspect to it where you're being monetized to, to be in there. I don't know if that makes sense if you're being monetized, but uh, I will uh, carry on. Uh- I know what you mean, though. They're not trying to um, sell you stuff at every juncture. Like, you, you go in to do the thing, and you can just hang out there, and, and you pay for that, and that's it. There's, like, they actually give you free tea and coffee and biscuits. I think I already said that. But uh. Yeah, it's pla- it's a really place unique in that you can just go in and hang out. Um, and it's interesting that you were mentioned the word um, entrepreneurial because I was thinking about the, the guy um, who we met, Philip, uh, the kind of founder of VR Link. Basically, what he did is he bought... Uh, a couple of VR headsets, uh, like the fancy ones. I don't, I don't know if they were the Oculus Rift or the HTC ones. Um, so he in they the, were HTC anyway. I remember. Were they I HTC? The, yeah, the, the actual model. But. Yeah, like, but they. I think they were kind of like the the, the best you can buy. So or up there. Um, so he bought like basically three of them um, that he has, and he's and he rented the room, like a kind of a large room. And that's kind of like all he needed for this uh, business venture. And then the marketing and PR around it, getting people in there. But I thought that was a kind of a creative like business model where he invested in the VR headsets, invested in the space, and then he's up and running. I thought that was, was kind of cool. Definitely was. And uh, I'd say the only drawback for him is that he could probably only fit about four people in there at the same time just due to space restrictions because we kind of found that there was... Um, a space for maybe two people with a curtain dividing it and then maybe space for two more and that would have really been it. Yeah, uh, and that was one of the things. I was expecting it to be a, a bit of a bigger kind of room where you'd maybe run around. Um, but having gone through the VR experience, like you actually, you don't actually need that much space for VR because you're kind of standing in the one spot a lot of the time. Well, the game we eventually ended up playing... Uh, a bit of extra space would have been nice, but uh, we'll get to that. But uh, can I ask you, what were your first impressions when you went in there? Because I had a, a, a kind of a, a first impression that didn't turn out to be true. But what, what were your first impressions when we went in? Um, just kind of not knowing what to expect. I saw the VR headsets hanging from the, the wall. Um, I was asked about my uh, kind of interest in different games. And I felt like maybe the they were expecting us to know a bit more about gaming than we actually did. And maybe I also felt I was a bit old as well. <laughs> like yeah. coming in to do the VR, you know? There's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of that, like, where's the lads? <laughs> well, I, when I showed up, or sorry, when I showed up with you, obviously, but when we showed up, your man who greeted us, he was actually sound in the long run, but at the start he was like, hi, gentlemen, and what brings you here today? And I was like, oh, that's way too... Sales money, for my liking. Um, but I didn't realize, obviously, they had all the different facets of the clockwork door building. Like, I didn't realize they had board games and video games and, uh, and other places to hang out. So he was actually just asking us, which part of this complex are you coming to, to participate in? Uh, and I was just like almost standoffish. I was like, well, we booked it online. so. <laughs> and then we ended up just saying, yeah, look, we're here for VR, whatever. And then we turned around and then there was a curtain hanging up and it was looked kind of like just as somebody's spare room with um, <laughs> a sheet hanging up in between, uh, <laughs> dividing it in two. And then your man was like, oh, what type of games would you play? And I was actually fumbling with my phone or my headset or something. You had to answer that, thank fuck. But uh, I was like, shit, um, 
these lads are kind of nerds they expect that we are as well and they want us to engage in conversation about video games and like you i felt a bit old i felt a bit um like an old fuddy-duddy going into to the vr (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i was actually thinking this is going to be shit that was actually what that was my first impression yeah yeah i was a bit like that as well And, and when he was asking me about the games i was like uh Tomb Raider and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. FIFA. <laughs> like I heard you saying Tomb Raider, but I, I assume you're talking about like a, a modern version of Tomb. Yeah, Raider. modern version of, of Tomb Raider. But like, I suppose modern gamers are are um, playing much more kind of hip games that we haven't heard about. Like, I'm not playing like the the cutting edge games. <laughs> he did throw a few things out there that obviously are still around he's he mentioned counter-strike or half-life and i was like i remember that being around in fucking the year 2000 so there must be a, a current version of it and then he mentioned um what else did he mention he said something else that i remember oh yeah call of duty so people are obviously still playing call of duty and i've never like he, at one point he was like you know when somebody's like sniping you from a building in call of duty and you don't even realize and i was like i've never played it i've never played it i've never played it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, at that point, I was like, "Yeah, that's never happened to me. I've never thought anything about someone smi- sniping me from top of a building." Yeah, but they were very. F- we should just say they were very friendly and they were very helpful. But yeah, let's move on to the first game. So we initially um, were met with a, a selection, a, a selection screen. When you put on the helmet and you log in and with all this stuff, there's like um, a selection screens of of games that are available to you. So obviously, ones that they've purchased or have available. And you just basically scroll through them like you would on Netflix, and you pick something out that way. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there, I was surprised um, that they there weren't there weren't any games the titles that I would have heard of, or like they they just seemed all kind of new games. And I think they were like PC games. I have some of the titles of the games here, and I I don't know if the listener will have uh, heard of any of these. So Arizona Sunshine. Uh, Archangel, Hellfire, Ape- Apex Const- Construct, uh, Bam Squad, Battles of the Red Cliffs, Beat Saber, Budget Cuts, uh, Eleven Assassin, uh, Super Hot, and Space Pirate. <laughs> oh, there so, you go. Yeah. So I don't think any of them are are like kind of popular or well known games. Not exactly household names. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, we're really out of the loop with video games, so what, what the fuck what, would we know? Yeah, exactly. What the hell would we know? We're just dorks. Uh, but what do you know? Do you remember the game that we first played? Do you know what that was called? Arizona Sunshine. Ah, okay. A zombie game. Um, yeah, so we decided to play a cooperative... Um, it, it was a one-player game as well, but we did the cooperative version. And your man was like, would you like to do a campaign... And in the back of my mind, I was like, I recognize that word from Stranger Things. That's what they call uh, a game of Dungeons and Dragons. They call it a campaign. And But he kept saying, lads, do you just want to do a campaign or do you want to do a blah, blah, blah? And uh, we were kind of a... Uh, um, <laughs> so, so we eventually went with the campaign. So it was a cooperative mission type thing where it's a shoot 'em up and you're killing zombies. It's like a zombie apocalypse, but you also have to solve puzzles, which we learned a few minutes in. Um, so it's like, oh, I can't open the boot of this car. Maybe uh, uh, maybe we'll look in this building and find a key. Find, that type of stuff. find the wizard key. Yes, That's except how- there was no um, uh, uh, fantasy-based stuff in it, really. It was just zombies. Yeah, but it was uh, putting on the headset was cool. It was immersive, uh, like... We had two guns we had our, using our hands in the VR, so there was like a gun in each hand. And the action of the gun was really cool. Like you were actually like pulling a trigger and pointing it exactly like you would a gun. So that, I felt that was really immersive. 
Yeah, it was enjoyable, all right. And then, like, you could pick up new guns as you went on. So we started off with just kind of crappy little pistols. But then I picked up a Magnum, uh, which you had to load differently than um, uh, the, uh, the other kind of hand pistol thing. Um, and that had fewer bullets, but it was more powerful. So there was a lot of little nice touches to it. Um, when the zombies came right up close to you, if you shot them in the head, you killed them straight away. Um, a, a shot at closer range did more damage than a shot from f- further out. This is probably all basic shit for anyone who's ever played this stuff. But like, it, <laughs> when you're actually in it and you're, you're right up in front of these people in, in their faces, it's like... Very entertaining, actually. It's just like, yeah. shit, oh, sh- shooting them in the face. Fuck, oh, his head's blown up. Like, yeah, and it was yeah. like, your vision is 360. You can see all around you. I could see your character in it. We were, like, walking around and attacking the zombies together. Like, if I saw on occasion zombies running behind you, and you couldn't see them because you were facing a different way, and I could shoot them. So it was just, it was just a re- I thought it was a really cool, immersive experience. And then the, the feeling of shooting was very, very realistic as well. Yeah, and we were doing shit like turning the gun sideways and shooting two guns at the same time, and um, it was it was enjoyable. But I think after a few minutes, we realised that it was more of a puzzly type game than it first led on. Um, and I think then I remembered he had said, "Did not when he was giving us the two options, you can do a blah blah blah, which I can't remember what it was called, or a campaign." The first thing he said he described it as basically unlimited zombies, uh, whereas the campaign thing was puzzles and zombies and that's the one we went for with the puzzles and zombies so like one of the first puzzles was like you have to open a car and when you open the car this other thing opens and you have to go find a key and you have to go into a house to find the key and i think we kind of both twigged at that um we would have had to spend a lot of time solving puzzles uh, if we continued to play that and it didn't maybe have as much action as we would have hoped for yeah at the start there was loads of blowing the heads off zombies and that was great fun but then when we were looking for the key like we must have been 10 or 15 minutes looking for the bloody key. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was, I was, was slightly I was, boring, was, actually. Yeah, and I, I was kind of glad when you suggested to change the game because we only had 75 minutes, and I'd say we spent 30, maybe, playing that. And uh, that's a huge chunk of your, you know, your slot. So and I'm a, glad we moved and, and a third of that 30 minutes was looking for the key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but overall, a great experience. Um, but then we moved on to the second game. Uh, we played three games, and the second one was called Eleven Assassin. And this was a short-lived uh, kind of experience of that game. Um, this is an archery game where you p- two players play uh, against each other, and you basically hide around these towers and hide behind buildings. Uh, it's set out in the kind of open air um, kind of medieval times and you're, you're holding an arch a bow and arrow and you try and shoot each other so the, I, I would just say the, the best thing about this was the for me was the action of holding the uh, bow up with your left hand pulling the string back with your right hand and then like shooting that way I thought that was like with, with the VR controls that was done really well the shooting mechanism was spot on um, not that I've ever shot a real bow and arrow mind but <laughs> me I imagine if I did uh, yeah. it would be spot on here's what I was saying it's really realistic <laughs> we never don't know what it back, would be like in real life back when I was in the middle ages shooting bows and arrows uh, it really reminded me of that <laughs> um, but, but uh, 
this it's worth noting as well sorry when we first stepped into the zombie game i turned around to your man immediately he's like how do we how do we move how do we move through the level because there was hardly a load of space for us to go walking around and what you actually do is you point to a part on the map and you teleport to there basically um so you, you don't really teleport but you point to a part of the map you want to go to and then you press a button and your character moves that distance and you're it's it's instantaneous you're moved to that point so that's how we traveled it through the map in the zombie game and it was the same with the the medieval knight's bow and arrow game you you just kind of pointed at a castle you wanted to go to and you had to shoot an arrow to the location and then what you did you were teleported there and so we we, we moved around the castles we killed each other once each i think and then this additional player who wasn't part of our group just joined in on an online game and just started killing us left right and center yeah he kind of wrecked the buzz because he was like really good at it and he just we were like trash talking him as well we were told he could hear us <laughs> i was saying things like i'm gonna come and kill you and things like that um but then yeah. he just killed me multiple times uh, and i was i was like the um the South Park. Do you know that episode of South Park where they're playing World of Warcraft and then this fat slob oh, lad yeah. just fucking comes in and kills them all? Yeah. Basically, that was us. Uh, yeah. Classic South Park episode there. Yeah. So um, that we kind of got tired quickly of that, and then then we uh, then when we started playing Creed and we got that game set up, which took about to be honest, it took about another five minutes to get that set up as well because there was like, oh, you have to invite this person into the game and then they have to accept and the invitation wasn't showing up and it was a bit of messing around, but we finally got it started and we had a game of Creed and it's worth, worth noting that this was an official Rocky game, so all the Rocky characters were in it. You could play as Rocky Balboa, you could play as Apollo Crews, Clubber Lang, um, you could play as all of the characters basically from the Rocky films and uh, and that that added to it already and it obviously adonis creed from the creed films he was the main character but um yeah so it was all the rocky characters all there so people that were familiar to you and you could choose one of these boxers and then basically it was just a straight up boxing game but it was virtual reality mm. and this was one that was really immersive because you could see you had your two hands in front of you and they were visible on the screen so your hands would be moving exactly like you would punches and you'd be defending yourself moving them, your hands up to protect your your head and it was extremely realistic you could do jab punches uppercuts hooks side hooks whatever um and yeah this was one that instantaneously was just like this is this is going to be great yeah it was it was to be honest it was fucking unbelievable from the start and uh as you said, yeah, you could throw like a light punch by not putting much strength behind it and the damage wouldn't be as significant. But then if you really laid in the punches, the damage would be way, way more significant. So naturally in the first game, we were laying in our punches a lot more um, and I was especially laying in my punches on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> landed quite a few headshots and uh, it was, I have to say, it was really satisfying to actually <laughs> throw real punches in real time and see them land in, in the character in the video game. Yeah, like... And what this must have looked like, like we could hear people coming in watching us at this time. They were like, oh, are, they lads? are those lads fighting? Because you were like literally standing two meters away from me, punching into air. And I was facing the other way, punching into air. <laughs> so it must have looked very funny for people. Just With a big watching. fucking helmet on. Yeah. Ducking and diving and blocking and then throwing jabs and throwing stomach hits and fucking everything. Yeah. And yeah, and basically you beat the shit out of me. And we played three boxing matches and you, you destroyed me in each of the matches. Yes, I did. 
And I, I was expecting like, because I'd been recently to uh, like box fit classes and I'd, I'd learned some techniques in boxing, how to defend yourself and how to dodge punches. I thought I was the bee's knees. <laughs> so I thought I'm going to go into this boxing and I'm going to defend myself and he's going to tire himself out and then I'm going to spin around and then knock him out with one punch. But Yeah, it didn't quite go like that. I have to say... I went on the attack from the start and I was landing punches to the head like from the very early stages. Um, and, and once I landed the first couple, I got a thirst for it. And, uh, <laughs> I, I basically didn't stop throwing punches at you for the whole thing. Yeah, um, you pummeled me repeatedly. <laughs> I did. And all I could hear, I could hear the sound of the game, but then I started to hear you breathing heavily. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and then it was like, as you were punching me, it was like, uh, uh, so you were really like, you really getting into it. I was really throwing really hard punches, like more so than I ever have in real life in any situation, uh, obviously. And uh, but you do, you tire so quickly because punching full force, even if it's into the air, it's it uses up so much energy that you, you only have a, sh- a short little burst of that in you, which is how real boxing matches play out on telly, obviously. And, and then you have to take a break and fucking relax. Like. But then yeah. you kind of build up a bit of reserve energy again. You just lash out about 10 more punches, and then you have to take another break. <laughs> and that's basically how it went. Yeah, exactly. And like your adrenaline kicks in as well when you're competing against somebody else. So it, it sort of fools you into thinking you have more energy than you have. And you expend all your energy very quickly because of that, I think. Yeah, so so we did the first game, uh, and then the second game was a bit, a bit. It was probably still pretty intense, I have to say. But by the third game, I was absolutely fucking jaded, and uh, I was I was landing of maybe fifty percent of the punches. Um, but you had settled into the the role of just on the defense. Yeah, at that stage, I was trying to master the defense. Like whenever I play uh, games against people online, my first instinct is is to be a counter attacker. And I, we talked about how we played Tekken years ago. Um, and I love to block. Yeah. <laughs> and I was saying to you afterwards, once I've mastered the blocking, it takes me about like 20 games to really get my, my a handle on the blocking. But once I, I, I learn how to block, <laughs> I, I can nullify the opponent. Or I, I like to think I can anyway. Well, see, with me, I have absolutely no patience for any of that stuff. So in Tekken, I used to always be on the attack as well. And I would just, like I did in the boxing, I would try to pummel you in Tekken. And then if I try to go on the defensive, like playing poker, I get really bored and really impatient. So I just start throwing on stupid bets. It's the same in any type of video game. I just start attacking because I just get bored shitless, not doing anything. So... Uh, that's kind of my approach and you're yeah you're always kind of the defense but you started blocking and then running in circles around me as well (laughs) yeah because i was trying to punch you but my punches were just weren't landing i just i don't know what it was um yeah so i tried running around in circles i tried to frustrate you yeah for large periods i wasn't throwing any punches i was just focusing on blocking what i was doing then as well was you had your two fists up um covering your face but i was trying to do those hook punches where i'd kind of reach in around your uh, raised fists and kind of catch the side of your head and i have to say the accuracy of the game was brilliant because i would be like well i can see his hands are up there but if i reach around the side and i'd land a punch on the side of your head and it was like finding those little gaps in your defense game then by, by game three that's what i was trying to do more so yeah and i was i thought i was really interesting like back and forth and i, I really enjoy that i know my character and I got the shit kicked out of me repeatedly and I was knocked out multiple times. <laughs> but I still really enjoyed it. It was deadly. And uh, afterwards, we were both fucking sweating like 
bastards. It was ridiculously good exercise. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so that was that was the VR uh, link experience. We went, we did it. That was the the VR experience that we did on Saturday. Just gone. Um, yeah. So, just to mention the name of the place again, it's called the Clockwork Door. It's on Wellington Quay in Dublin City Centre. Obviously, to international listeners, that won't mean anything. But uh, maybe if you're over in Dublin, you could visit it. And as we said, the two lads are sound. I didn't catch their names. You you knew both of their names, but um, just have them on the computer. Philip. All right, yeah. Philip and Abdullah. Yeah, but they were absolutely sound. They're very accommodating, very helpful, and. Uh, yeah, they. I would go back. Yeah, I definitely go back. I, I'd love to start with the uh, the boxing, maybe. Yeah, none of this fucking bow and arrow shit. Straight into Creed. Straight <laughs> into the boxing. And maybe uh, then just straight up uh, shooting zombies as well. Yeah, yeah, infinite zombies and boxing. That definitely what I'd go for next time. Although there was a James Bond game that I had eyed up online in advance called No, Mister or No, I expect you to die, or just I expect you to die. I think, and it seemed interesting as well. But it was only one player, and that actually was. Um, a drawback of a lot of the games they were only one player so um if you're going on your own maybe you you'd do those but when you're with another person it probably wouldn't be as exciting yeah definitely not um but uh, this is um uh something that we could definitely do again and i suppose this is a a new hobby that we've acquired that we could share it together or we could expand it to our friends so i think that's a real positive of this Yes, and of the three activities we've done so far, this is the one that I would want to do again most um, out of those three. I know, I mean, you can't read the same book again and, you know, walking the same walk again isn't really comparable. But at the same time, I'd be more drawn towards going to a VR experience again uh, rather than reading another science fiction novel or going out and walking um, a similar walk to... Uh, hoped. Although I did enjoy the walk a lot, to be honest. But yeah, I I agree with that, and I think if we went again, I'd love to get uh, like a few different people out there and just see how, just see them react to like the boxing or whatever, and see if I could beat one of them. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to beat you, obviously. But you're pummeling me. <laughs> well, it will take you about fifty games, and then uh, maybe just sneak one in. Um, but yeah, so uh thumbs up for the vr link uh virtual reality arcade on wellington key yep and that brings us to uh next week's activity on the open us podcast which is what i'm going to call a professor t special <laughs> this is a professor t special so uh we're both going away next week um, i'm going on my annual trip to sweden where i'm going to a music festival i've gone to the last few years and you're going to japan which is a new country for you you've never been there and we were trying to tie in uh activity with the fact that we were going abroad but we didn't want to make it as basic as travel more or something like that so we wanted to try and add in some kind of thing that could only be um taken advantage of because we were traveling abroad and couldn't we couldn't really think of anything suitable but i was racking my brain today and i came i was trying to think to myself what do i never do when i'm away that i probably should do more of or that i should do at all um, that i don't and and one of the things that i never do when i'm away and this is probably at odds with lots of people uh, is i don't really go and talk to a lot of new people um and when you hear other people telling stories of their holidays, they're like, oh, we met this couple and they were from here and we met this lad and he was from New York and we bumped into these people and we hung around with them for the rest of the holiday and all that. And I very rarely have stories like that after I go away because I don't really initiate conversations with strangers. Now, it is a bit different than that. I'm going to a music festival. I'm going to be drinking for a lot of the day and... 
you do end up talking to other people but it's usually other people that do all the work or other people who introduce themselves to the to the strangers or the strangers just come over and introduce themselves to you so i don't really have to do anything so my idea was and it doesn't have to be related to going away actually but it would tie in nicely with it my idea was between now and the next time we record we need to initiate at least three conversations with somebody who's either a complete stranger or somebody we've never initiated a conversation with before. And you might think as a listener, all right, so you're going to talk to three people, big fucking wow, like this podcast is going downhill fast. But give maybe the people a bit of background on that from your perspective. That's probably not as easy to some people as it sounds, is it? Well, not to me and you, probably not. I'll just speak for myself. Uh, this is something that I av- actively avoid uh, all the time. I don't like initiating new conversations with people. Um, I don't like making small contact, small um, talk or small contact. <laughs> small contact, <laughs> small, whatever that is. Contact. I suppose uh, I'm, I'm grand once I know someone or if I get into the flow of a conversation or if somebody else initiates a conversation. But it's just it's not something that I generally do myself and it's something that i actively try to avoid because it does it doesn't come kind of natural to me and i kind of get a bit anxious around the whole idea of it um but at the same time i can see that you miss out on maybe meeting interesting people um hearing different perspectives of people um, and just finding out interesting things that that you wouldn't that you'll only hear from from getting that opportunity to talk to new people exactly and, and i'm the same like i maybe would be slightly less so than you so i might initiate the odd conversation more than you would but in general with new people or people i don't really speak to that much i don't go around initiating conversations with new people it's and we've had this kind of conversation back and forth over the last couple of months about whether we feel we're an introvert or an extrovert and maybe we came to the conclusion we're bits of both like most people are but we would veer towards introversion, but you know, different people have different interpretations of what that is. But whether they're right or they're wrong, or we're right or we're wrong, I can tell you for definite that the idea of going over to somebody new and sparking up a conversation with them uh, is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Makes my skin crawl. And even to the point of like going up to somebody's desk in work that I don't know and having to go over and talk to them. Um, I, I could put that off for three hours and like I might get no work done during that time just because that's the thing that's holding me back and it's just a small little thing I have to do but I build it up to this massive big deal in my head and uh, I find it very difficult. Yeah, I'd be the same and like I suppose people of our disposition you, you kind of almost need to be tricked into making that conversation or stumble into it and then you learn that it, it's actually fine once you get into it but, but we just probably have that natural distance tendency when it comes to initiating new conversations, whereas other people are much more kind of happy-go-lucky, kind of uh, just kind of more outgoing and less kind of closed in that way than maybe you and you and I are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and like I, I can see it in action um, in work. It's funny. So I, I work in an, an open plan kind of office, but it's. Um, I work on a project and all the people on my project work in one space in the room and other projects come and go from the other space. So a new one moved up there today and one of the lads on the project I know from previous work I've done around the company and uh, so I already kind of have a bit of a relationship with him. But there's a lad who's on my project who doesn't know this lad and I know within three days he'll be better friends with this guy I've known for two and a half years than I am now. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I can see it already happening. <laughs> He's already ingratiating himself with him. And they're already kind of cracking jokes at one another. And like earlier on this morning, they were complete strangers. And I know within a few days, they'll be better mates than I am with the guy I've known for ages. And that's what I'm talking about. Like it's uh, some people are way more like um, they just throw caution to the wind and they just throw themselves and put themselves out there. And they're not worried about sounding stupid or asking kind of banal questions to get over the hump. Like they're just fuck it. I'm just going to talk to this person. And mm. I don't think either of us are really like that. And I think as well, like no, no one way is better. Like some people just kind of are more comfortable with that. And they just, they just sort of drift towards initiating conversations more. Uh, we're probably the opposite of that but i suppose the whole point is here that we're going to try something new here we're going to try to go opposite than our normal tendency which is on the more kind of introverted uh, side of things and we're going to see uh what kind of interesting things that brings up so it should be interesting yeah so at the just to reiterate it's going to be you have to initiate a conversation with three people you've either never spoken to before or have never initiated a conversation with before. So you might know them from seeing them in the corridor and work or something, but you've never initiated a conversation with them. But it can't just be anything like, oh, do you know where the photocopier is? That doesn't count. It has to be of substance. And you have to have learned some information that's interesting about that person that you can recount on the next episode of the podcast. Uh, so I initially went in, um, I bet big, I went in and said, we should initiate 10 conversations. <laughs> <laughs> you went all in. <laughs> and uh, you were like no maybe a bit less than that so we agreed at least three and they have to be interesting and they have to be of substance but if you find that you're on a roll and you find you're actually getting a kick out of it keep going until we until we meet again keep going and do as good uh, as good a job of it as you can but you have to come back here the next time we record which will be in a couple of weeks because we're both going on holidays uh, you have to come back with at least three interesting conversations you've had with other people that you never would have done had we not decided this was our topic for the next time absolutely indeedy <laughs> okay and i think that's actually going to wrap it up for this episode so i am professor t we've been over this and that has been another episode so thanks very much for joining us we'll leave our social media links at the end and as always please join in if you would like stay open If you'd like to contact us on social media ahead of next week's task, search for us on Twitter. It's at Open Us Podcast. On Facebook, it's also Open Us Podcast. On Instagram, it's Open Us Podcast. And via email, it's openuspodcast at gmail.com. Stay open. Oh, oh, oh.